Steve, and Mike, and welcome to the Mayhem. This is Mast Mayhem, episode two, and with me, as always, is my Rhino co-pilot, Optimus Solo. Welcome aboard, dude. Ah, yes, we are on the right car this time. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn right. Every everyone has a co-pilot except for Thunderhawk. I am going to make it have one. And the co-pilots seem to be interchangeable, but we'll get to that later. Um, in this episode of Masked Mayhem, we'll be giving you our thoughts on episode two, The Star Chariot, and in episode three, The Book of Power. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. At last! It's taken me ten years to find the other half of the arrowhead, according to the symbols on this ancient Indian tapestry. The emerald arrowhead will point the way to the Star Chariot. An alien spacecraft buried beneath the desert a thousand years ago. We've got all the vehicles we need. Maybe, but this vehicle has something you lack. Intelligence. The intelligence of a civilization millions of years beyond Earth. A ship that came from so far away must have an incredible propulsion system. I'll adapt it for an unbeatable new generation of Venom vehicles. First up is the Star Chariot. Take it away. Alrighty, for the plot synopsis for the Star Chariots, we start seeing our Native American, our local Native American, apparently. Um, I don't know exactly where this is supposed to be taking place, but we'll get to that maybe later. But anyways, we see uh, Mr. John uh, Snow Eagle, and he's driving his truck down the road, and all of a sudden, Venom is basically attacking this innocent-looking guy driving his truck. And we come to find out that they are after something called the Emerald Arrowhead. Um, which John Snow Eagle does not have. So that's kind of interesting. And then we kind of go to a scene where John Snow Eagle somehow ends up at Mask Headquarters. We'll get to that again later as to how that happened. Um, and then it skips to Daniel giving Daniel, who is apparently John Snow Eagle's son, is out fishing with Scott. Apparently they're friends. And um, in a gesture of friendship, Daniel gives Scott his half of the, uh, or his part of the arrowhead. So that leads to Venom, who is after the Arrowhead, kidnapping Scott. And Daniel and his mom have a nice little scene where they're trapped by a ring of fire, Johnny Cash style. And uh, Mask has to come save them and figure out why Venom has kidnapped Scott. Um, and the it's just kind of explained that the Arrowhead should lead to the capabilities for uh, Miles to upgrade the vehicles of Venom and have a major advantage in his attempts to rule the world, um, basically. And then they try to uh, ambush, Mask Mas tries to ambush Venom, little scene there with uh, where Matt Tracker goes off on his own and the rest of the Mask crew tries to ambush them. It doesn't really work so well. And to make a long story short, eventually they locate the Star Chariot, thanks to the Arrowheads, and uh, Venom finds the Star Chariot, but Mask comes in at the end to save the day. Kind of makes a long story short, but that's basically the plot of Episode 2, the Star Chariot. One error. Not an error. Yes, one error. <laughs> Not an error, just if I didn't say every detail. No, one error that you said in the details you mentioned. Uh, John Snow Eagle is not his dad, it's his grandfather. Oh, well, it could have been his dad. <laughs> Seemed like his dad. I know it was 11 years beforehand, but I was waiting for Walker, Texas Ranger to jump out at some point in this episode. <laughs> that could have, that would have fit. <laughs> but, uh... 
you know, so so basically the plot is a little different from our first one. It's not just a chase the whole time. There is some twists and turns along the way as far as, you know, they think they're after Daniel and they're after Scott and there's some ambushes and some stuff along the way. Um, I did want to mention before we get into, you know, any of the other stuff that there's also some new members that showed up in this episode. Yes. Enter the girl team members. Yes. So we get Vanessa Warfield, who I don't think they ever call her by name in this episode. We just see a girl member of Venom. Yeah, I don't think she's... So we we see this Venom member with a weird mask who then is talking like a girl. We don't get her name, but we're like, hmm. I mean, obviously we know it's Vanessa Warfield. But that was kind of a nonchalant way to introduce a character and almost not even acknowledge it. And then we also had the mask member female member gloria baker now she is mentioned because obviously the mass computer says her name mm-hmm. so uh and they they seem to have uh a knowledge of each other and maybe a standing feud or some something because they do go after each other during the episode a little bit you're gonna hate me for this but the way i see this cartoon at this point with the females introduced is that it's like wwe where the males are versus the males, and the and the women's wrestling is women versus women, and it's very rare in WWE that you have mixed matches. Right. And that even like in those weird... even even in those mixed matches, you have the women going against the women. Right. You know. But I did find it was interesting that they immediately had that. So, it, but it, not just that it was woman against woman, but that it was they seem to have like know each other. Like there's some type of yeah. history. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, we have the same Venom members as before, just Slyrax and Cliff Dagger and obviously Mayhem. So mm. we, we've added one, so we're up to four there. Um, we did not have all seven masked members like we did in the first episode, though. We just had Bruce, Dusty, and uh, Alex, along with Gloria and Matt. So right. it was a little bit smaller of a team this time. Well, this time it was four on four, wasn't it? So last yeah. time we had seven. Last time we had seven masked members, and this time... Versus we, three, and this, and this time, time we had four five. on four. No, this time we had five guys, or five mass members. Bruce, Dusty, Alex, Gloria, and Matt. Oh, okay. Okay, five against so five four. five against four. Yeah. So we went from seven on three to five on four. Okay. Um, yeah. But did you have any thoughts on the uh, just the, the plot in general or the new members before, you know, we talk about, like, highs and lows and stuff? I find it extremely weird. I find it extremely funny and tongue-in-cheek, and I know that they weren't meaning to do this back then because... Uh, everyone, most majority of everyone back in the eighties were all prudes. Um, Vanessa's masks power. She pussy whips people. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say she has a cool name. Uh, Vanessa Warfield. That's a, that's a villain name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most definitely. Um, but I just find it funny that her, her mask weapon is a electronic whip. Yeah. (laughs) Gloria Baker, on the other hand, has a crappy name. She's hot, though. That doesn't sound like a superhero or a mask member. Like Everybody else has cool names, especially the bad guys. Cliff Dagger, Vanessa Warfield, Sly Rex. Even the guys, Alex Sector, that's a cool name. And Gloria Baker is just kind of like a plain old, could be your mom. <laughs> as far as the actual plot, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, there's it's it's a little there is more of a plot than the first episode. There is, but this I mean we're never going to get intense plots in 22 minute cartoons. Well, and you're never going to get intense plots in 80s cartoons anyway, but it just that's 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 a t- terrible stereotype or generalization that we're both making, but Well, that's true, but it's true. Okay, look at any 80s cartoon. Oh, there's some that have good plots. Well, no, I'm I'm saying that there there's some that have good plots, but you're not going to get like in like you know an in-depth plot in a 22-minute cartoon. You're just not. I mean, yeah. So I mean, you, I think you have to take all these with a little bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, you can't just discount all of them just because they're 80s cartoons because I think that's part of the magic of them. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. I I just wasn't feeling this plot. I guess it because it turns out to be oh aliens. It's like really. Well, there's a sci-fi aspect to mask a little bit. Oh, uh, there is, and I, I I agree with that, but... Uh... I just like that there was a, at least one or two little detours or twists and turns that wasn't just straight chase. Right. I, I agree with that, yeah. Wow! Those are great masks! 
I didn't know the fire department had that kind of stuff. They don't. We are not from the fire department. Where's your arrowhead, son? How'd you know about my arrowhead? John Slow Eagle told a friend of mine he gave it to you. I let Scott wear it. Scott? So that's why Venom went after Scott. So now we're going to get into what we thought were the high beams of the episode. Would you like to go first, or would you want me to go first? I got I got quite a few. Um, go ahead. I thought, number one, probably the best thing plot-wise as far as a high beam for this episode would be the, the switch of the boys as far as uh, Danny giving Scott the a necklace, the arrowhead, and then kind of there being some confusion as to why... Venom went after Scott and and the mass team having to figure that out. I thought that was at least, you know, a little bit of a twist there, which kind of, to me, helped the plot a little bit. Um, my second one, second high beam would be, I love the statement that uh, they make that Venom doesn't mess with anything less than a million dollars. Yeah. The mass team talks about that when they're trying to figure out what, what Venom's doing. So I, I like that our, our Venom, our villainous organization has standards. Um, and has a has a, a dollar limit that they don't they don't mess around with anything less than that. Um, just a little tiny moment that I thought was funny uh, when T Bob came out of the water and the rabbit was uh, or not the rabbit the frog was on oh. his uh, on his mask and then it transmitted to Matt. <laughs> he like calls for T Bob and it's like ribbit. Yeah, uh, I thought that was somewhat funny. Um, I thought it was. Um, cool when we had like there was a scene where they basically had like remote control vehicles they right. were they were controlling the vehicles with like a remote control and i was like that's kind of cool for kids to like see that aspect like you don't have to be in the vehicles the whole time you can control them control you know remotely i thought mm. that was pretty cool mm. so those are my probably my the best things i saw in this episode i've started paying more attention to what the hell the team members are doing when they're called <laughs> Because I want to see how many different situations that they are in each time that they are called out. Uh, Bruce is either having a pogo stick contest or a demonstration. I don't know which. Um, Alex was giving the dog a bath. Uh, I believe it's, isn't it Dusty that's at the pizzeria? Yeah. Yeah. I said, no pepperoni, damn it. (laughs) This is my own note because he put pepperoni on the pizza. Uh, my notes about Gloria and Vanessa, uh, mm, hot Homer Simpson <laughs> drool. <laughs> they're some good villain. They're some of the hottest, yeah, female uh, action people from the eighties. Probably, I never thought of it that way, but yeah. Um, I love Spectrum's hang glider mode. I thought that was really cool. I thought it was cool in concept. I don't know if it was executed perfectly with the visuals, but I did think it was cool. Um. Mayhem depanced. <laughs> that was creepy. It was it was funny, but it was yeah, it was a little creepy. I don't want I don't I'm glad you brought that up because I kinda I think I have that as uh one of my low beams. As a low beam. Um I, I don't like my 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 head of my villainous organization looking like a freaking old grandpa out there. With, well he is an old grandpa with his pants around his ankles. It takes away all his he's no longer intimidating. I want my villains to be intimidating, damn it. Well, this isn't G1 Megatron, so... Uh, pants around the ankles is not a good look for a villain. <laughs> well, it's not a good look for anybody except for the anyways, girls. That's just another topic for another day. Um, uh, talk about some high beams, and I wrote that all in caps, and I think that was when uh, Bruce used a high beam effect on Rhino or something where yeah, he, he did. was trying to blind them. Yeah, I yep. thought that was... Uh, when they were inside the thing at the end, yeah. Yeah. I loved, the, I loved how the... They animated and I mean, I know it's just general 80s animation, but I loved how the backgrounds looked in this episode. And the visuals uh-huh. from the backgrounds and a lot of the animation is pretty good so far in this yeah. show. Yeah. And I loved that every single mask has done something different, even from the Death Stone to this episode now. I mean, every single one has done something different, and they have multiple stuff that they'll do. Well, besides Bruce's, I mean, Bruce just, you know, has you know, levitate or whatever, whatever it's called. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, those are, those are my high beams. The only thing with that is I'm having a little bit of trouble keeping track of who has what power. Oh, oh no. I, I, <laughs> I can keep track of what, uh, I need Gloria, to keep like a has, Gloria has aura. I mean that they've used so far. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, Bruce generally uses the same power every time. I don't know. I don't remember if Alex has used a power yet at all. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, for someone that's watching this, like, if you were watching this yeah. for the first time in the 80s and these are the only two episodes you've seen, it's like, who, who can do what? There's not a lot of, like, I need to see a, a lot more to be able to place who has what power and which vehicle has what power. Right. Like, yeah. it's kind of hard to keep track of right away. Did somebody call me? Scott, you're alive! Of course I'm alive. And did I ever have a weirdo dream? T-Bob and I were hit by this huge rolling pin. Next thing I knew, this UFO took us to an alien planet where they fixed us up. You're kidding! I had the same dream! That's impossible. Robots don't dream. Wait a minute. You don't think... I get the funny feeling this star chariot is more than it appears to be. And now we get to the low beams for episode two, the star chariot. Um, I think we should start with the one we just heard, which is what came at the end of the episode with Scott's dream sequence. Uh, That I actually like, like when I saw you put that in the script, like I looked at the script before, like I, I pulled the script up so I could make the notes um, but I looked at it before I watched the episode. I'm like, Scott's dream sequence. What that is there a dream? Oh God. If there's a fucking dream sequence in this episode, I'll be fucking pissed. To, to uh, me, that, that's like, it, it almost ruined the episode. It did. I mean, it, it's, it's like your typical lazy writer who needs a way to tie up all the loose ends and make everything. Okay. And they come up with some lame ass, like, it didn't really explain how Scott and T-Bob are okay. Yeah. Because they, you know, there was, they were in danger. And <laughs> there was not really a way around it. And then they, instead of showing how they get around it or explaining it, it's like, he comes back and they're both fine. And he thinks he had a dream. Wait, it's not a dream. It was just bad. Oh, God. I, I know, again, it's because I'm an old man and it's because so much has happened since the 80s. When that happened, I was like waiting for someone to bring up anal probing and Cartman, for Christ's sake, because, oh God, I, I, this is exactly why I don't like alien stories like this, is because of, oh, it was a dream sequence. Nah. It's just too easy. Yeah. It's too easy oh. of a way to do things. Oh God. What else do you have for low? Yeah, low beams. Okay. Uh, I still hate T-Bob and Scott playing catch to fish. Lame. He puts a fucking, he puts a fucking baseball glove on to catch the goddamn fish. I don't hate T-Bob. I do question why he can be in water though. T-Bob fell in the fucking water. He should be disassembled. He's got some good plating or something. And the other thing I noticed with this episode, um, is that, uh, yeah, it was this episode, or it was either this episode or the next episode. Uh, at some point, T-Bub's voice changes. It, it changes a lot while it's happening, actually. Right. <laughs> like, from line to line, sometimes it can change. Yeah. Uh, but I do question, yeah, his ability to be in water, but I guess we're just supposed to accept it that that's just possible. At the point where they're in the mine, or not the, uh, whatever, the K, like, when, yeah. like, when, like when they're getting ready to get trapped in the cave and T-Bob's running in or T-Bob's running out or whatever and Scott goes to save him. I was so hoping he would have gotten crushed. Oh, stop it. Uh, now, uh, again, this is uh, this is going to go to the whole father-son thing. Now, see, if you paid more attention to what your son was doing, Matt, he wouldn't have been captured. He wouldn't have been potentially crushed. Worst father ever. Now, I will commend Matt on, you know, having him with another, you know, another adult. But the problem is with Scott and T-Bob is they constantly sneak off to go do shit that they're not supposed to do. Yeah. That's Um, true. And, you know, you asked me earlier about, you know, whether we like the plot or not. And my final note was, was there a plot in all of this? Because when I got to the end... It's like right when I was like the dream. I'm like, as soon as I saw the dream sequence thing, I'm like, was there a plot in all of this, really? There was. It just I think got ruined a little bit by the dream sequence at the end because it was too like fast and quick, easy way to to 
like they set up all this different stuff on on the episode. There was all these different plot like potential things that they were setting up and introducing, and then it just gets all resolved at the end because of a dream sequence and because it's aliens and because they you know it takes care of it and it disappears and like, yeah, there was a plot that just didn't. There was a bad ending, so it makes it kind of seem like there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. What about you for low beams? Well, let me get the nitpicks out of the way first. <laughs> um, besides, obviously, T-Bob in the water, and I said Miles Mayhem losing his pants. Um, I I do have a nitpick on... Did you ever notice, so far in Mask, that every road is ten lanes wide? Not only is it ten <laughs> lanes wide, it's a complete desert so far. Every time they're ever on a path, a road, yeah. a street, or whatever, ten vehicles can be across it, and all go in the same direction. Yep. <laughs> um. So that, that's just a nitpick. Um. How about here's a animation or just a writing? I don't know who you blame this one on, and we will put this in the post. Um, on the page, if you watch the scene where Dan, Danny, and Scott are trying to get away after they've exchanged the arrowhead. They come to a cliff, and they're at the bottom of it. And it pans, it's, you know, transitions into another shot somewhere else. It shows the vehicles coming after them. Then it goes back to them, and they are getting over the top of the cliff. <laughs> How did those kids get up that cliff? That fast. And you will see the picture in the post. You'll yeah. see a before and an after picture. And you will see how impossible this would have been. And apparently the writers didn't want to explain or have any, you know, accountability for how these kids got up there. Um, they just kind of sidestepped that issue by just showing a before clip where they're at the bottom and an after clip where they're magically at the top. Um, yes. So that was just bad. I noticed that as I was watching it. As far as my other ones, I, I don't quite understand how people keep ending up at Mask, um, at Matt's house or at Mask headquarters. Well, no one has really ended up at Mask headquarters. At Matt's house, though. Yeah, yeah. They they more so end up at his house. Like last last episode, we had the girl, the professor, or whatever, who was brought. He said his team brought him there, brought her there. Okay. This time, John Snow Eagle just. We have no explanation as to how he gets there. Yeah, he's yeah. just there all of a sudden. Like yeah. everybody in the area knows. If something weird is happening or something bad happens, you apparently take people to Matt Tracker's house, not the police. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have an issue with that so far. Hopefully that's not going to continue. Um, the only other thing note I have for a low beam is the voice work so far in this show lacks, not across the board, but a lot of them are lacking some energy and enthusiasm. Mm, yeah, um, I agree. Matt Tracker especially... Um, it's such a dry performance. It's such a dry voice. I mean, and there's quite a few of them that just come across as like it's it's like scenes where there should be some energy and there just isn't. And I don't know if that's because we have a you know more unknown or not as well known voice cast, or if they were fairly new to voice acting, or I don't know what the explanation of it, or if it was the director not directing them to do this. But some of it comes across very flat. Yeah, this was definitely not a Wally Burr show. <laughs> Yeah, Sue Blue and Wally Burr were not in charge of this one. <laughs> Historical database reveals this book is evidence of the legend of the Mong Paco Empire. Legend claims the city of Mong Paco mysteriously vanished off the face of the earth 1,500 years ago. They supposedly possessed a giant jewel-covered idol over three stories tall. It is said the idol protects the city with booby traps. A jewel-covered idol? Ewee! That's what Venom is after. We better assemble the team. And finally up today is the Book of Power. Yes, the Book of Power, episode three. Um, quick plot synopsis for episode three. We basically are taken to what seems like the, a different part of the... Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know where we're at. I don't know what state we're at. I don't know what city we're at. But this seems like a new area of that location that we've never seen before. And we have this guy who is looking at this Book of Power... And we're not quite sure who he is or what it's about, but Venom comes in and steals it. Uh, that seems to be a, a recurring theme here, obviously. And then it seems like the bookstore guy is like, there's clones of him, or he's showing up everywhere. It seems to be kind of mysterious. We don't know why at this point that's happening. You know, rocks are falling on Venom as they're trying to uh, get away. And <laughs> Miles carelessly drops the book out the window. <laughs> 
of the vehicle, and yes. it goes down the basically down a little cliff or ravine or whatever into uh, Dusty's possession. So yep. Dusty then brings the book. So we don't have somebody showing up at Mask uh, at Matt's house. Now we just have Dusty showing up at Matt's house with the book. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to figure out what's going on with the book. They're having the computer analyze it, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, Venom is coming, and because Miles had put a tracking device on the book, and Venom is attacking Mask headquarters, which is something we've never seen before. Um, while that's going on, Scott goes and starts looking at the book and kind of goes under this trance sort of state and leaves with, uh, with T-Bob. Now, Venom, since they're following the tracking device in the book are now following, they don't know that it's Scott and T-Bob necessarily, but they're, they're following this tracking device. So mask people are like, why did they leave? Well, they left to follow Scott in the book. Um, meanwhile, Scott and T-Bob have entered Monpaco and, uh, the trance is starting to kind of wear off a little bit. And then there's just kind of a whole bunch of different things going on in Monpaco where, uh, the book guy is there, Venom's there, mask is there. Um, and they're all kind of trying to figure out stuff. There's booby traps. Um, there's all kinds of like little Indiana Jones type stuff going on there until eventually mask finds Scott and the monk, which is the book guy and his people. And they basically make everything better. Yes. And then to close the episode out, (laughs) twirling T-Bob throws the stick in a hole that reveals the idol of Mumbaku. And then they're like, oh, well, I guess whoever finds this is our leader. Well, maybe not in this case. Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. And as far as agents go, we go back. We we revert back to episode one, and we have the same seven mask agents that we did then. Mm -hmm. So Gloria has disappeared. And the Venom agents have gone back to episode one, and Vanessa Warfield has disappeared. So I don't know if this episode was made before episode two and they just didn't show them in order or if it's just a random case where both girls now have disappeared i'm not really sure (laughs) so that's kind of an interesting thing there um this one is very similar to me as far as plot goes as episode two i mean in in all of them so far in all three episodes we've had an artifact or something that obviously venom is trying to chase and track down right Episode one was just more chase the entire time. Episode two, you had a little bit of, uh, you know, a roadblock with the kids changing and they don't know who they're going after, etc. This one, it's like a chase, but it kind of goes like first you're going at mask headquarters, then you're going to the Monpaco place, and then there's a third party involved, and there is some booby traps and stuff. So it, to me, this one has more plot than the other two do, um, but it still kind of has that you know, tied up with a bow at the end ending. Oh yeah, most definitely. So I still don't like the way they're ending episodes. No, I don't either. Um, And that is a trend that will continue. But uh, but no, Um, as far as the plot for this one, there was a plot, obviously. Kind of think it was... This whole plot essentially puts Scott in danger. Oh well, yeah, we have to have Scott in danger because he has to be. We have to have that character that we can relate to and be. We have to be in the episode. Yeah, but see, as 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 a kid, I knew not to go into my mom. You know, the the the, the only way I can equate um, Mask headquarters or Matt's office is my mom's bedroom. I know that's kind of bad, but, but it's like, you know, you don't go in your parents' bedroom and snoop around. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where there are certain rooms in a house as a kid, you're not supposed to go into. And the book was in the main control area. I know. It wasn't on, it wasn't somewhere innocent. It's not like he put it on his bookshelf. It was on the computer. And, and the other part of the whole plot was, Ooh, I want some pizza. Because Dusty originally put the book in the pizza. He's like, oh, Matt, you'll never guess what I got. Oh, wait a second. There's somebody right there. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, pepperoni and extra cheese. It's like, really? See, to me, that's almost a highlight to me of this episode. No, that well, it, it was a funny line. No, I don't mean but... that for that. I mean, it's a high highlight because it, it's one of our first examples of character development for Dusty. 
Oh no, yeah, I, I will, I will, I, I will agree with you there. But where I'm trying to go is, is that because Dusty put it in the pizza box, and Scott and T. Bob were like, "Hey, they're being stingy. I want, pi-, you know, that's yeah. where I, it's like, that was oh God." I agree that that was a little. It was a little weak how Scott was getting involved and, and etc. You won't believe what I got. Uh, uh. It's a pepperoni pizza, a special pepperoni, like you ordered, sir. Thank you again. Goodbye. Matt, come here a sec. Hey, w- wait. Oh boy, pizza. Mmm, yeah. Venom really wanted this. A pizza? Nope. This. And now we get into some high beams of the episode. Those Venom varmints. <laughs> oh, God. Dusty reminded me of Yosemite Sam right there. Dusty had some moments, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, I thought the optical scanner was cool. Uh... Some more of the situations from from the team members. Uh, Double decker sandwich as Hondo exits because he throws his sandwich onto the guy next to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then Alex, he overfed the fishes. Bad Alex. <laughs> uh, was that a giant ass yo-yo <laughs> that Bruce had? What the hell was that? <laughs> I do not even know what that was. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pay more attention to these sequences now. Yes, you are. <laughs> uh, Boulder, um, in all caps, Boulder Hill in defense mode equals win. That was my biggest highlight for this episode. Yep. Uh, and again, as always, I like all the different ways that masks mask uses their masks. Yeah. I just gotta continue on a little with that with the mask headquarters in Boulder Hill, like th- all the different aspects of it that they showed. Mm-hmm. And every you know the different guns and the and the shields and and stuff like that. It, that was just a cool moment that we had not seen before, and it was pretty well done. All that stuff you saw, actually, you can do with the playset. Nice, nice. <laughs> what else did you like from this episode? That's, that's all I had. Oh, Jesus, um, no, just kidding. Um, I, I agree. I love the you know, mass headquarters, Boulder Hill being shown off. That was my favorite thing. I did think that there was a couple cool moments that we got to see new sides of people. First of all, like what you said with Dusty and the and the pizza, I thought Dusty being able to think quickly, yes, and and be somewhat intelligent in this situation was a cool part of his personality that we got to see. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of funny that we got to see the computer has a sense of humor. Yeah. Um, and you'll be able to hear that later on in the episode, but the computer made it funny. Um, <laughs> I go ahead. No, go ahead. No, okay. I'm no. This is all you. I'm just <laughs> laughing over here. I did like the aspect of the episode that we didn't know how many monks there were at first. It seemed like he was everywhere, and then it turns out that there was multiple monk people. Yes. That that was not you know something that was revealed later that then explained all the earlier reappearances. So that was kind of a cool little like twist if you're a kid you might have been wondering about that and then it gets explained at the end so that would have been cool um any episode that has booby traps is cool with me you know yeah. goonie like indiana jones like i don't care how believable it is or not i, I like booby traps yeah. booby traps i wish i could speak like the guy from goonies <laughs> um let's see what else did i have oh <laughs> i don't know if you noticed this or not or not but at the very beginning when venom is going to steal the book originally the guy, the monk guy, has just been looking at the book, has been facing the book, has been, like, talking at the book. Venom comes in, he turns around, and he's like, there is no book of power. It doesn't exist. It's right freaking there. You're standing right by it. Like, Well, he was standing in front of it. So. I know, but it was just, like, it was so, like, it was obvious that the book was right there. Like, it was a room... With right. a showcase, and the book was in it. <laughs> like, I love that he tried to pass it off that there was no book. 
Yeah. Venom, you never know. Sometimes villains are stupid, so it's worth a shot. Especially ones that get depanced all the time. There was a lot of comedic moments in this episode. I'll give it that. <laughs> so there, it was a good episode for comedy. My staff, where is it? It was right here. Put that down. I'm just playing. Pretty good baton twirling, huh? And now we turn on the low beams. Dun, dun, dun. My the lowest beam. You gotta start with the lowest beam. I have three actually, and that's it. Uh, and two of them tie in together. Gotcha. Because so I, I made them simultaneously after I noticed it the first time. In the beginning, when Dusty arrives with the pizza, is it just me or was T Bob's voice off a bit? And then. Like the next scene that T Bob's in, I'm like, most definitely T Bob's voice is completely different in this episode than it was episode two or episode one, and it's much worse than usual. I mean, this almost hearing him talk in this episode almost made my ears bleed. No, oh, stop it. No, I'm serious. This episode, there was something wrong with whoever was in charge of voices, period, because there was also a point where Sly Rax is shown and his mouth is moving. But Nothing's coming out? No, it's somebody else's voice. It's a different character's voice or something because Sly Rax has the most distinguishable voice outside of maybe Bruce Sato or Dusty on the whole show. Like, Sly Rax has that, like, shipwreck, like, evil shipwreck voice. Yeah, and yeah, there's one right. point where they show him, his mouth is moving, and it is not that voice. Right. So yeah. they messed up a couple times on the voices in this episode. My only other low beam was T-Bob as ruler. Ugh. God. This is a this is a lack of creativity by the writer who decided th- who was probably a Star Wars fan. <laughs> he decided that T Bob could be C three PO and be worshipped by the Ewoks. The problem is is that T Bob is a R two D two on wheels. Mm-hmm. That's a bad comparison, though. R two D two. I love. I like T Bob, but R two D two is way too cool to be compared to T Bob. Oh no, 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 no! I, I know, but I mean, I mean, okay. With this image you have here in the script, look at mm-hmm. T Bob's face. Look yeah. at how he lo- he looks. I mean, if you if you change that just a little bit, it's it's R two D two. But R two D becoming ruler was stupid. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. That's well, fun. he didn't become ruler. They're like, oh, we're just joking. But he, that whole sequence was just dumb. Yeah, that was just stupid. It was another dumb end sequence towards the end of an episode that got to get better with our endings. Yeah. Um, I, I did think it was pretty cheap how they just randomly had Miles drop the book out of the window. Yeah. Like, he should be taking more care of that. I mean, at least he got the the tracking device in it, but he's his hand isn't going to be anywhere near the window with the book. I don't care what's happening. Um. Again, the mask sequence this time when they put the mask on, it's mm-hmm. still it's still too slow for me. It's I've noticed that because I've actually um, I've actually watched more episodes than just these two today, um, but um, I've noticed that that sometimes that the we won't get the long sequence that we got in episode one where Matt goes down and you actually see the little car going to Matt, you know, mm-hmm. in this one, I think it was either this one or it was the one before it was either this episode or the episode that we just talked about star chariot where Matt goes down, gets in and then it immediately flashes to him already being there. Like yeah. it, it, I just fades. mean once the once, even once the, the, you're already there and the thing is coming down with the mask, it's slow. The other thing I noticed is, I don't know if any of these producers, creators, whatever, uh, watched Voltron on Lion Force, but look at the round table. When they're like, let's energize our masks, the table rises up, 
which is essentially the same thing that the Voltron Force stuff does in Lion Force. Instead of them being on top of the control panel where Koran is, it rises up and a door opens. But this is essentially that same type of animation where something rises up and does something different. And it, it, it just, the scene looked, the scene mirrored each other for me uh, between the two cartoons. Um, the, the mask sequence is a little long, but I guess it, I guess it's needed because mm -hmm. I guess the, the masks need to be recharged or energized or whatever. Oh, it's just, I just think they could do it a little more if, uh, uh, something that is more exciting. It's, yeah. it's, it's almost slow to the point where, it, where it gets boring for a second. Um, the other thing is a lot of voice things in this one. Was the voice direction for the monk to sound exactly like Bruce Sato? <laughs> like, I thought it was Bruce Sato in a, in a robe for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just like change your voice a little bit. Um, and then the other thing besides, obviously we already talked about T-Bob finding the statue. That was pretty ridiculous. Uh, there was one point where they're going from a booby trap and they were they were trying to run to like make it to safety, mm -hmm. and Matt decides that he needs to look back. Like you're running and trying to like get away in time and be safe, like you don't turn back to see what's happening. Like you were the last guy. Like he was the last one to. Everybody else was ahead of him. Like there was no need for him to run to turn back. I'm not impressed, Matt. Was that uh, the scene where Scott was behind him, though? Wasn't that the scene where they were running the other way? Yeah, no, he was by. He was the only one left in the scene. I, 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 okay, I, and all right. He just no. turns back for no apparent reason. It could have cost. Like he could have been like hurt, or he deserved to be hurt at that where's point. A, where's a Tom and Jerry pitchfork when you really need it? <laughs> exactly. So those were my low beams, just a, a lot of voice stuff and, and then just yeah. a few weird things. Yeah, they're, you know, my, you know, overall the episode's not that, it's not that horrible. It has some semblance of a plot more so than the episode before it, but my low beams were with specifically T-Bob's voice because that's an extreme difference from this episode uh, from Book of Power to the episode before it starts, I mean, the, the the voice is completely... It's almost like they got a different voice actor to do the voice. Yeah. It's it's completely different. I think so. Whoever was in charge of voices just didn't know what they were doing this episode. Apparently not. <laughs> uh, so I think we're going to go to Confucius Bruce <laughs> with some uh, words of wisdom, and then, of course, we're going to have some quotes and some other... GCR and commercials and all that good stuff. Don't worry, Matt. A wounded rabbit makes the full fox hungry. Wounded rabbit? Rubbish. By Jove, I'm the strategic expert around here, and I say we set up an ambush. That's what Bruce just said. The arrowhead must be the key to something far bigger. Hmm, something much bigger. A canoe? Dusty, sometimes I think you've got an empty teepee. I'll take care of it. Backlash, fire! than a nearsighted gopher to a turnip patch. Analyzer indicates the book contains unusual combination of organic substances. What kind of combination? Pepperoni and double cheese. <laughs> 2012 marks the 30th anniversary for Masters of the Universe. We here at the GCRN are celebrating with a brand new series of podcasts. The Powers of Grayskull series will cover every episode of every MOTU cartoon. Yes, even that crappy new adventure stuff. Join Optimus Solo and TFC1 Mike as they tell tales of Eternia, discover the myths of Etheria, become masters in space, and finally masters of Grayskull. You can find the Pogs podcasts in iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Good journey! You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy, just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter GeekCast Radio, all one word. 
to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code KeyCastRadio when you register. Now watch what Mask does. So, final thoughts, sir. Final thoughts. I think we have seen improvements on the pilot. Alright, both both episodes had slightly better plots. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some issues. I still have an issue with the way that they are ending episodes and the, you know, like I said, the tie it up with a nice little bow and the shortcuts that's, that are being taken from a writing standpoint. It's like they spend so much time doing non-important stuff at the beginning or setting stuff up or doing too much of a chase that then they run out of time and it's like, Oh, we need to end the episode. So what's easy that we can just sum it up in like a minute. Yeah. And, and I, I just wish it was more proportionate, like give the same amount of attention to the beginning, the chase and the action and the end. Um, so that there is an actual beginning, middle and end. Cause so far we've had beginnings and middles and the endings are like cliff notes. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, I was a little disappointed with some of the attention to the voice work in the third episode here. Um, but both episodes visually are good. Um, backgrounds are good. You know, there's only maybe one animation error that I saw, which was mm-hmm. just the cl- kids climbing up the cliff. Um, yeah. I just think they made the cliff bigger than it was supposed to be, maybe. Um, but there was a decent amount of more humor, a tiny bit of character development for like um, Buddy and, and a couple people here and there, an introduction of two new um, female participants. So it is going slightly up from the last episode. I'll give it that much. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with anything you said. Uh, you know, for me, really, the only... The biggest hurdle that I could not get over with between the two episodes was the change. Like, like T Bob from episode two, I can tolerate the voice. Uh-huh. T Bob in episode three is just downright awful. I just, <laughs> regardless of my you know dislike of the character, the voice in episode three is just fucking bad. Uh, it, it it just is. Let's uh, let's talk about the PSAs here. PSA number one from episode two was don't pet dogs. <laughs> don't it should say don't pet stray dogs, but um, just don't pet dogs in general. Yes, because that's uh, the best way to keep a dog as a kid's best friend is if you don't pet them. <laughs> I love how they actually said that. It's a it's a good lesson for dogs that you don't know, but it's a little <laughs> bit of cor- it's a little corny. Yeah, as they should be. Little little corny. Uh, buckle up even for close drives. Um, I think that is a good lesson for kids. That is a classic one that, you know, everyone's always like, oh, I'm just going around the corner. I'm just going down the street. Yeah. yeah. I, I almost They almost could have thrown a statistic in there or something been like, or maybe they did. Maybe they said a big percentage of the, I don't know, but, you know, accidents happen close to home or within a couple blocks. They did say accidents happen within a cl- couple blocks yeah. of the home, but they didn't give like any, like any right. numbers or anything like that. So, But they're decent. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah. Well, the the <laughs> the dog the one was up, weird. The buckle up one is is good. The dog one was a little weird. I, I agree. <laughs> so, what do you rate uh, episodes two and three? Uh, one uh, zero out of five masks. What do you give episode two? See, I'm so torn on both of these because they have to score better for me than the first one, and I gave the first one like a two and a half. Um, hmm. I, I want to give them. <laughs> it's it's just hard because each one has its good things and like the second one had a lot more comedy and uh, maybe even a tiny bit or the third episode had a little more comedy and a little bit better plot the second one had a decent plot but then it ruined it at the end with the whole dream sequence i'm gonna give both of them the same actually i'm gonna give both of them a three so slightly better than the first episode but i can't give them too much yet because there's still a lot of stuff i want to see fixed yeah, we are so off on our on our ratings. Three masks for both of these for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, episode two. Um, if only the inclusion of 
Gloria and Vanessa gets two out of five masks. Um, but the plot, as you said, the plot is severely lacking. The dream sequence screws it up. Um, episode three, simply because T-Bob is ruler and T-Bob's complete voice actor change or the sound, it, it gets one out of five masks for me. I, I can't rate, I can't, I can't, you know, look at myself in the mirror and say, I rated that episode fairly decent because it's to me it wasn't a decent episode it 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 pained me to even watch that character in this episode because of this because of the voice change um it, it, it is it is that drastic so episode three book of power gets one out of five masks for me even with mass headquarters i'm just kidding so you gave a two for the first episode two for the second and one for the third yeah so this is the worst episode so far. So far, yes. And it's simply because, of, like, I like other... I mean, we, we, we've just gone through it. I like other things in the episode, but that one thing just makes it so much bad. It just makes it so much worse for me is because of the inconsistency in voice acting. Dun, dun, dun. You're a harsh Debbie Downer. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being a part of Masked Mayhem today. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on all of our posts. Please do that. Send email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. To my knowledge, there has not been any reviews. Be the first. Yes, be the first to review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio. Mine is at TFG and Mike. What is your Twitter, sir? At Optimus Solo, all one word. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Geekcast Radio Network. Call the voicemail line. Tell us what you're leaving the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. If you have a USB headset or a microphone on your own computer at home, Go to the website. On the right-hand side, there is a button that says Send Voicemail Now, and you can record it directly from your computer. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Masked Mayhem, and don't forget to join us in our next crusade when we will be discussing episodes 4, 5, and 6. Yes, something Kevin is dreading is doing three at a time. Um, Which those episodes are (laughs) Highway to Terror, (laughs) Video Venom, and Dinosaur Boy. Oh, God. For now, I am TFG and Mike with... I'm Optimus Solo. And remember, podcasting is the ultimate weapon. Dad! Dad! Scott? Scott! Where are you? Dad, here we are! We're okay! Scott, look out! Oh, he's my new friend. Yeah, this guy's a monkey! Not a monkey, a monk! Illusion is the ultimate weapon. 